You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Life Devotions, and thank you for joining me today. To each grace has been given is the title of this devotion. I've been going over the last few weeks through the book of Ephesians. While that book could keep us going for a whole year and more, because the book of Ephesians is being called the Grand Canyon of Scripture, the Swiss Alps of the New Testament, the capstone of the epistles. I mean, it is so magnificent, and not just because of its theme, but because of the majesty of Christ it reveals to us. And of course, the great glory of Christianity is Christ Himself. He is the glory and majesty of the Father. And our great calling is not just to receive Him, to come and dwell within us as the temple of His Holy Spirit, but to reveal Him in flesh and blood, to express Him in all that we are, say, and do, and that people may come to know through us the living Christ. And this is the great calling. I love what Paul says in Galatians 1.15. He says, It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb to call me by His grace so that He might reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him. That's Galatians 1, 15, 16. I love those verses. And here I want to start with you today from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. Listen to this. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Quoting from the Old Testament, when somebody gains victory over a nation in battle, in war, they liberate the prisoners of their people that are being kept by that nation. And they display them in triumph, in triumph of victory in the war. They display the captives that they have liberated. That, In other words, that's one of the great values of the battle is to liberate the cap- their captive people and to show them in freedom. And of course, this is the great triumph of Christ when he rose from the dead, that he makes us alive together with him and displays us as a demonstration of the Father's great love in saving precious souls like ourselves. And he says, now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first as descended into the lower parts of the earth, and he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. He himself gave some and so forth. Today, what I want to show you is that to each of us, grace has been given. And this is according to the measure of Christ's gift. When you have Christ in your life, one of the great evidences and powers of having Christ is that you begin to live in the grace of God. In other words, 
all that you have, He gives you through Jesus Christ. What you would never be able to achieve by your own abilities, your own virtues, your own passion, your own commitment, dedication, is now freely imparted to you through the Lord Jesus Christ, being at the Father's right hand, having provided the purchase price to have the right to come and dwell in us through His precious blood by His Holy Spirit and display in us the attributes of His heavenly holy life, of the glory that He has with the Father. And to all of us, grace has been given to display the wonder and majesty of Jesus. And it's not just that you become alive with Him, Ephesians 2 verse 1, but you who were dead, he made a life with Christ. It's not just that you begin to experience this life and it more abundant, which Jesus said in John 10, he would come and give, but that it has a character to it, a nature to it, a, a, a way to it that pleases the Father to see, whereas Jesus would say, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit and that will bring glory to God, the fruit of His life, the fruit of His nature, of His character, of His humility, of His meekness, of His gentleness. It's all formed in you. It's all formed in you. When the Apostle Paul was burdened concerning the church of Galatia, that they had been drawn away from their relationship in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, by which they partook of His riches and glory, and they were drawn away by alternative uh, gospels that were not the gospel, he says there. He says, I feel the pains of your separating from Christ and I am travailing, I am travailing, I'm feeling the birth pains and I'm praying with this pain of feeling you separated that Christ be formed in you. That's in chapter four, verse nine, I think of Galatians. And you see, dear friends, it is the Holy Spirit's groaning and yearning, as Romans 8 talks about, to bring us fully into Jesus. You see, the Heavenly Father gives us fully into Christ so that through Christ, we may begin to experience this grace to each of us grace is given. We begin to experience this grace. You begin to experience part, uh, aspects of his nature, of his character, and God wants us all to be filled with the fullness of Christ. We'll talk about that later as well as next week. But you see, friends, that you begin to experience this here in chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 7. It says this, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. So he says, I became a minister of this gospel. I was able to make known this good news because of the grace of God that was given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, listen closely, verse 8, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles 
the unsearchable riches of Christ, those things that have been hidden in God from before the foundation of the world are now made manifest in Jesus. Do you ever think about this? That if Jesus would not have come, all we would have to be able to know God would be the shadows and types of the old covenant. All we would have is these images, these phenomenal, glorious things like the Ark of, of the Covenant, the Tent of Moses, the, the Tabernacle of Moses in the wilderness. is such a prophetic, profound revelation of who Christ is. Every aspect of that tabernacle is to reveal the aspects of Jesus Christ. But what their eyes could not see, what their ears could not hear, what their hearts could not perceive, now is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, it says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 and 10. It is through the Holy Spirit we begin to realize when we read the Old Covenant that this all speaks of Jesus Christ. Every part of it, if you think just the simplest little thought, simplest little thought that Jacob's first son is called Reuben, which means, behold, look, a son. The second son of Jacob and Leah was called Simeon, and that means hear him. The third son of Jacob and Leah was called Levi, be attached to him. And the fourth son of Jacob and Leah was called Judah, which means worship him. Behold the son, hear him, be attached to him and worship him. It is the perfect display there of the Father revealing the wonders of the gospel. When God said in Genesis 12, verse 4, verse 3, to Abraham, In your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It says in Galatians 3, verse 8, that God was preaching the gospel to Abraham when he said this. You see, all the scriptures have been given to us to open up the grandeur of the Father's marvelous love for us. And to each of us, grace is given to discover this, to see this, to marvel, to absolutely be caught up in the spirit of revelation and understanding in the knowledge of God the Father through the Son. Oh, where we get so filled with revelation that we begin to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory that this now has become our life and that we live in this holy, heavenly, sinless, marvelous life of the Son of God. Oh, how the Heavenly Father longs for you to realize the grace that you have been given and the power by which He works that grace to unveil in you, to reveal in you the unsearchable riches of Christ, things that were hidden in the bosom of the Father that now are made manifest through the Son, as it says in John 1 verse 18, that Jesus 
that no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten of the Father who came forth from the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. The word bosom means intimate presence. He has declared, unveiled, revealed Him so that He can become visible in the body. And now we are that body that the Father may be revealed through His Son in us. Oh, my dear friends, to you grace has been given. Grace has been given. And the Apostle Paul here says, listen now, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. It is quite a beautiful discovery, honestly, where you no longer berate yourself as worthless when you have been valued so highly by the Heavenly Father that He gave His only begotten Son for you. You see, in Psalm 49, it says, Not all the wealth that is in this earth can buy freedom for one soul. The soul of man is too costly for that. You see, the soul of man was shown by God to be valued through the blood of His Son. There is absolutely no higher value in the heavens and the earth than the blood of Jesus. The life of man is in the blood. The beauty of his divinity, of his holy life, was the price, purchase price, that God gave to purchase you and me to show how much we mean to him, how much he loves us and cares for us. If he loved us so much in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more now that we have become His children will He do for us through the life of His Son? Dear friends, let your spirit open up to begin to realize I am what I am by the grace of God. As Paul would say, he first says, I who am less than the least of the saints, this this, this grace was given. Folks, I want to encourage you, don't ever disregard the grace that's being offered to you and thinking you're not worthy of it. None of us are worthy of it. I sure am not worth it, worthy of it. I know that, I know that, I know that, that I was a worthless sinner destined to go to hell with the devil. But Jesus rescued me from the power of demonic darkness and drew me out of its demonic oppression and torments, afflictions and sins and iniquities and brought me into his marvelous light. And now all I can do is sing his praises, the praises of him who loved me while I was yet a sinner. And Paul says again here in 1 Corinthians 15, I am the least... I am not worthy, in verse 9, he says. And then he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Friends, you've got to realize that it is only by the grace of God that you can walk as sons and daughters of the living God, that you can partake of the riches of glory in Christ. It's only by grace. By grace you have been saved, Ephesians 3, 2 verse 8. And that 
and not of works, lest any man boast. No, it's only grace. It is what of grace means the Father has given it to us in Jesus. It is Jesus who is worthy of it all, but he gives it to us all. And he died for sinners. Paul says this is worthy of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he says, I, who am the chief of them all, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 through 16, read it. It's so beautiful. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient, worthy of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient or worthy as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Or the Living Bible would say it this way. I really love that little statement. Paul says, I would never dare think anything comes from myself. My ability is what God works through me. Friends, that lies at the foundation of true Christianity. And God will have it no other way. He will not have it any other way. Read what it says in Exodus 33, where God says, it's going to be by my mercy alone. And then Paul explains that in Romans chapter 9, where he then shows from that scripture there in Exodus 33, that he says, it is not he who wills nor he who runs, but it is God who shows mercy that brings our salvation, our freedom from sin, and our righteousness to partake of him. And that righteousness is not by any work we have done, but it is imputed to us through Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness of God. Second Corinthians 5 verse 20. Oh, my dear friends, when you begin to live in the grace of God, doubts that you have had because of your own failing weak human nature will evaporate. Questions because of things not happening as you thought they would or not being able to achieve them in your own ability will evaporate. All these questions will go away and sweet, loving trust will flood your heart from the throne of grace, from the Son of love. The trust or the faith of the Son of God will come to dwell in your heart where you will cry, Abba, Papa, how gracious and merciful you are to me, you a wretch like me, you understand, amazing grace, how, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, I love all these beautiful songs, dear friends. Let me, in closing, take my living Bible and just read you this for a minute. I find this kind of, this kind of thinking so calming and liberating. I do not like to feel those conflicts of my weak nature that I'm not good enough for God or that I'm not able. I don't like to feel them, but they do still sometimes come because of demonic activity where the enemy tries to remind me how weak and human I am. But the faith of the Son of God in me has grown so strong that I'm able to keep resisting those feelings of weakness in the knowledge that His grace is sufficient in my weakness to perfect His strength, as Paul would write about in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10. So let me read you this from the Living Bible. 
listen and let the Holy Spirit minister this heart and this mind to you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. So Apollos and I should be looked upon as Christ's servants who distributes God's blessings, God's grace, by explaining God's secrets. Now, the most important thing about a servant is that he does just what his master tells him to. What about me? Have I been a good servant? Well, I don't worry over what you think about this or what anyone else thinks. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but even that is in final proof. It is the Lord himself who must examine me and decide. Am I a good servant or not is the question. So, be careful not to jump to conclusions before the Lord's return as to whether someone is a good servant or not. When the Lord comes, listen closely, He will turn on the light so that everyone can see exactly what each one of us is really like deep down in our hearts. Then everyone will know why we have been doing the Lord's work At that time, God will give each one whatever praise is coming to him. I find that. Oh, Lord, search me and know me, Jeremiah says. Job says, when the Lord has completed searching my heart, he himself will bring me forth pure as gold. Nobody, friends, can boast. Nobody can boast before the Lord. Nobody can say, I did this, I did that, I was like that, I was like, nobody. No, all we can say, to thine be the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. You alone are worthy of the praise and the glory, Lord. I was dead, but the life I lived in this flesh is the life of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am my loving Father, what I am by your amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Oh, receive the praise and glory through your Son in me, my Father. Let all that I am be revealed to you through your Son. I am what I am before you, my Father, alone through your Son. Psalm 16, verse 2, My goodness is nothing apart from you, Lord. Or in other words, all the good thing I am and have come from you, Lord. You give me all that I need. Oh, friends, that's the spirit the Apostle Paul is showing here. Am I a good servant? Well, what you think about that or somebody else thinks isn't really affecting me. What I think myself isn't even enough. It is what God thinks about me. That is most important. And when he comes, he will turn on the light to show what we really like down deep in our hearts and why we've done what we've done. So I, verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 4, have used Apollos and myself as examples to illustrate what I have been saying, that you must not have favorites. You must not be proud of one of God's teachers more than another. What are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have... And if all you have is from God, why act as though you're so great, as though you have accomplished something on your own? 
You seem to think you already have all the spiritual food you need. You are full and spiritually contented. Rich kings on your thrones leaving us far behind. And I wish you really were already on your thrones. For when that time comes, you can be sure that we will be there too. Reigning with you. Sometimes, really, I think God has put us apostles at the very end of the line, like prisoners soon to be killed, put on display at the end of the victor's parade to be stared at by men and angels alike. Religion has made us foolish, you say, but of course you are also wise and sensible Christians. We are weak, but not you. You are well thought of while we are laughed at. To this very hour, we have gone hungry and thirsty without even enough clothing to keep us warm. We've been kicked around without homes of our own. We have worked wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We have blessed those who cursed us. We have been patient with those who injured us. We have replied quietly when evil things have been said about us. Yet, right up to the present moment, we're like dirt underfoot, like garbage. And I'm not writing about these things to make you feel ashamed about yourself, no. But to warn and counsel you as beloved children, for though you may have 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, remember that you have only me as your spiritual father. For I was the one who brought you to Christ when I preached the gospel to you. So I beg you, to follow my example and do as I do. That is the very reason why I'm sending Timothy to help you and so forth. The way he is interceding, don't let yourself be caught up to start thinking you're something more than anybody else. It's such a trap of demonic demonic forces to, to whisper into you how wise you now become, how powerful you've become, how blessed. And he's starting to twist your heart away from that humility that rejoices in that amazing grace, how sweet the sound, in this grace that I have now become a partaker of by which I may express this heavenly loving life. And he begins to try to draw you away to make you think you're something more than another because of the graces and blessings. And that is the nature of Satan. He exalted himself, so he brings his own nature to you and tries to trap you. But Jesus would remind you, Humble yourself in the sight of God, and He exalts Himself in you and through you. So I want to intercede with you. Abide in that sweet grace by which you may express that sweet heavenly life of the Son of God, and show that humility by which you abide in that grace by how you love others, and how you're good to others, and how you're merciful to others, and how you're gracious to others, and how you sweetly share with them what you also by grace have received and that you do not boast over anyone else but love everyone else. Amen. Have a good day.